You are at war with yourself and likely don't realize it. Your thoughts, beliefs, habits, and actions often sabotage you. Are they helping you overcome adversity or setting you up for failure? To win this battle, you must connect with your inner warrior. We all have a warrior within us, one that strengthens our resolve and helps us to rise to meet life's challenges. If you're just surviving rather than thriving, then it's time to embrace the warrior archetype, live the warrior ethos, and ascend. If you are a veteran, first responder, or someone looking to take charge of your life, find your tribe, and then be the hero of your own story, this podcast is for you. Join Mike Kinney and Matt Hastings, two retired U.S. Army officers who served in U.S. Army Special Operations and Army Aviation Units, as they share with you optimal performance practices they learned in their time with the Military and Warriors Ascent, a 501c3 nonprofit that helps veterans and warriors with PTS. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Warriors Ascent podcast with your hosts, Mike and Matt. Hello. Hello, hello. And today we are going to discuss healing and tending the body, specifically sleep and breathe. So as we've said before, um, just kind of getting some things out front, um, what it is that we want to showcase to everybody or at least to demonstrate. It's not magic or mysticism or, or you know, anything like that. I mean, they're just proven practices that we've experienced in our time in the military, right? Best practices. And then also at our time at Warriors Ascent, you know, where we've helped uh, a, a multitude of veterans and first responders with post-traumatic stress. So when we talk about, like, as, as we did in the previous episodes, the, the metacognitive thinking about your thinking, system one and system two thinking, uh, the cognitive behavioral triangle, your, your thoughts drive, your emotions drive, your actions, all of that. And now in these episodes, we'll talk about tending the body. So eat, move, sleep, breathe. None of this is rocket science. But the facts remain that it's a proven path forward. We've done 58 cohorts at Warriors Ascent. We just had our 58th the other week. And it never ceases to amaze me how when we bring people through the process, all of the things that we're going to explicate on this, on this podcast, you know, in varying episodes, that it really is so impactful for our participants. So while some of the things we will we'll discuss, you may go, yeah, hey, I get that. I understand it. It only works if you do. So you can say all day long, hey, exercise, I understand. Sleep, yeah, I understand how important that is. But if you're not practicing that, if you're not really treating sleep as an operation, if you're not exercising regularly, if you're not eating right, you can know all day long, but it's not going to do you any good. And likewise, there's a, a multitude, a myriad of, say, modalities and approaches for everything from healing, post-traumatic stress, high performance. But, you know, the fact remains, the, these, I'll say, foundational practices and mindsets are, are really what's needed to, uh, to get you to the next level. And uh, I'll, I'll bring it back to, you know, a quick military anecdote. When I went through CQB training, we had uh, one, of the, one of our uh, instructors, he used to say to us all the time, what makes us hua? You know, so armyism, what makes us hua, man? The basics. 
So you can do the, the fast roping, explosive breaching, and all the cool stuff that you're like, man, that's awesome. But as an example, basic rifle marksmanship, if you can't put bullets into targets, it doesn't matter. So what makes us hua is the basics. And people lose sight of that. They want the sexy stuff. They want the pill. They want yeah. the easy button. Is there and a hua we're pill? We're here to tell you. Is there a hua pill? <laughs> exactly. Wow. But we're here to tell you it's the basics that get you where it is that you need to be. What are your thoughts on that, brother? I mean, I, I even had a football coach growing up, and it was always he'd say it all the time. It's the little things. It's the little things. You know, it's the basics. It really is. Um, I totally agree with that. We do a helicopter. You start with a hover. It's the most basic thing you could do, and then you learn maneuvers off that hover. <laughs> there you, go. you know what I mean? It's everything builds off the foundation, and I think this is another one of those things. So unfortunately there's no magic pill you know there's no magic pill for the hover you gotta no, learn it Andrew, no magic right? pill for this either i mean you know like didn't you weren't you selling us a magic pill there i thought you had one <laughs> no 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 such thing brother no such thing okay no so hey for for this episode for this and the next uh, we'll just talk a, a basic principle a basic concept right so i i like to say it's the 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 Sleep, eat, move, breathe, flywheel. And I like the metaphor of the flywheel for a variety of reasons. One, you see how sleep, eat, move, they're all linked to one another. Breathe in the center as cross-cutting, so it affects a great many things. But bottom line is, if you're getting a good night's sleep, right, you're more likely to eat properly. Why? Because you're well-rested, you don't have those energy troughs that really drive people to over-caffeinate or to eat real sugary foods, you're really a little bit more attentive and attuned to what it is that you're eating. Likewise, when you eat well, you sleep better. And then also in terms of move, movement or exercise, it's going to fuel you better. So you're going to have a, have a, a better workout. Your recovery is going to be better. Lastly, you know, in terms of movement, if you get a good workout in, you're going to sleep well. I know I've had you know, right. some workouts where I'm exhausted. I sleep like a baby. But by the same token, when you're working out, you're attuned to that. I am very, I'll say, discerning in terms of what it is that I'm putting in my body for a few reasons. One, because it's an investment in my fitness and I'm putting in the time in the gym and, and doing whatever. I don't want to sabotage and subvert my efforts by, by not eating well. Um, but, you know, number two, yeah, you, you also, um, you, you want that recovery. You know, you want that recovery. You want that ability to come back stronger. And, the, you know, the saying goes, you can't outrun or you can't outwork a bad diet. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. So, yeah. Maybe when you're 18, but not when well, you're... That's, no, that's exactly it. I mean, more, more, more anecdotes were, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, I was, when I was a younger guy, infantry, special forces guy, my mantra was all things burn in the fire of extreme activity. Yeah, they did. You just do what you want because you're just moving so much. And I was an older fella in my 50s. The mantra is, yeah, you can't outrun a bad diet. You know, but you talked about the flywheel. Another thing I like about a flywheel, Mike, is as a guy who would want to start eating better or exercising and doing this, the cool thing about a flywheel is it doesn't just go straight to that high RPM and, and operates fast, right? It, it slowly gains momentum as it, I think that's a, a really nice analogy. That's, uh, I know, I, I love it, brother. You picked right up on that that metaphor that it's slow, I'll say inexorable momentum. So as you aptly pointed out, 
a flywheel doesn't go from zero RPMs to 6,000 like that. It, it takes a little bit to get, to get over that momentum. But right. those slow, steady, incremental gains over time do build that momentum. And then once that's going, that's powerful. So right. that, that, that's another reason I, I do like the metaphor of the flywheel. I feel like sometimes if you try to slam all of this change in one day, one week, you know, that I think sometimes you kind of setting yourself up for failure. I, I don't know. I mean, I think sometimes it depends. You, maybe you, it's drastic that you have to make a drastic life change. But I know I got, uh, back in the day, I got this diagnosis with Hashimoto's, which is a, um, autoimmune disorder. I know and it was like, well, well, I don't understand what this means. And so we took a bunch of blood tests and found out I was allergic to, you know, gluten, dairy, beef, pork chicken pretty much like eggs. food and you, i was you're like allergic to food oh. <laughs> so what is it that i eat you know i know i was gonna say geez, you outlined a you know a yeah so you know and i thought man i'm really gonna do this and i spent probably a year and a half going full on and it, i was miserable i was just miserable because i just didn't know what to do i didn't know how to change that fast um you know it is it was that would made it really hard so i think it's easier to increment incrementally gain traction you know and then we all know and we teach it at warriors ascent that habits and what we're trying to do is form these into good habits and, and maintain those habits forever so it, it you know that takes what do we like seven weeks 21 days i can't remember exactly 21 days 21 is days. what they say plus or minus but yeah to inculcate a habit and that way it becomes becomes more system one right you're not even right. thinking about it that's key that's key all good points man so um with that said we'll, we'll talk about sleep ever so briefly and clearly in in the short amount of time we have we're not going to go into excru excru excruciating detail but suffice it to say we look at sleep in terms of rituals um hygiene protocols things of that nature and we'll put this slide i know it's a little bit dense in the show notes so you know, if you can't see it, we'll, we're, we're just going to speak to the high points. But in terms of rituals, consistent bedtime. Um, no caffeine or nicotine, at least eight hours before bedtime. Avoid alcohol. It interferes, it interferes with REM sleep. Eat three hours before bed because the digestive process interferes with sleep. Here's the big one. And I know my kids, they violate this all the time. Blue light. No devices. No devices one to two hours before bedtime. And the reason being is it suppresses melatonin, which is the sleep hormone. So if you're on your device right up until bedtime and wondering why is it that I can't get to sleep, that is probably the primary reason. Yeah. And there are a variety of other things you can do. You know, warm bath or shower before bed, drinking herbal tea, chamomile, lavender, whatever it might be. Exercises we mentioned, but not right before. Um, because that that does arouse you right and then yoga nidra so our yoga instructor carrie got a whole series of yoga nidra videos you can find a multitude online as well but yoga, yoga nidra meditation very 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 helpful Amazing. so Effective. these are things that you can do to really kind of set the conditions set the operational conditions as we used to say in the military right for right. operational success at the conditions Control the battlefield yes no so those things that you can do to really treat sleep almost as an activity, a process, or an operation, right? Um, 
in terms of hygiene and other conditions. Completely dark sleep environment, no ambient light, if at all possible. Um, ideal sleeping temperatures, 68 to 70 degrees. White noise for some, and that's not everyone. You know, my wife does not like the white noise, but for me, it really drowns yeah, out a I lot of ambient noise. Yeah, I a white noise thing, and I really like it. I know, you yeah. know, there's white noise machines, fans, yeah. you know, a variety of things. Um, no naps after 3 p.m. I know people advocate for naps during the day, which is great, but after 3, supposedly, it interferes. A weighted blanket, aromatherapy, um, you know, and supplements melatonin. Now, I think there's some studies out that people are saying be cautious of melatonin and... Really? Things of that nature, you know, the medicinals, but hey, bottom line is whatever it takes to get a good night's sleep. I know you were saying, to, talk, talk to us about your time. I know, hey, I come from an infantry ranger SF background where, you know, in, in many cases, it's just like sleep is a crutch. You can, you can sleep when you're dead. And my thought was always, well, with a mentality like that, you're going to be, you're going to be dead sooner, be. sooner than, you know, sooner <laughs> than you think. But I know, you know, in aviation with crew rest. Right. You know, in my assessment, they, they got it right. They realized sleep needed to be managed like a resource. So, you know, the ground guys and different guys, you know, they were hating on us because of the, we do get this crew rest and, and it, we can get a bad name for it by like anytime you say, no, we can't. Like I used to say, we're Americans, not Americans. Right. So we can do it. We're going to do it for the customer. But what was important was that we do believe that you have to be well rested to do the things that you have to do in an aircraft and trust me on board you want that so um i got some of these idiots sitting next to me that got a 12 hour sleep and still can't perform right <laughs> <laughs> right and under the best of circumstances <laughs> yeah, you, so you don't want them sleep deprived no but they were really good at it and uh, one of the main things we recognized was that cyclical um behavior sleep you know um, explain that like i don't know about you but at 9 30 every single night I can hardly stay awake. It's because every night at that time, I almost get, and I wake up bing almost every morning about five oh five. It's your circadian. It's rhythm, my circadian right? rhythm that just does that. Um, I'm always so impressed with somebody who has a, a day off and they can it's a Saturday morning and they can sleep in till eight. I don't know how they do that. It's not something I have the ability to do because of my rotation. Now, like if we were going to change and suddenly you were a night flyer and you needed to switch over to do some day mission. What we would do is make sure we moved forward in time. It was worse to go backwards for your brain for some reason. So we'd do it six hour chunks of time. Mm -hmm. And if you couldn't do that, we'd, they'd make them take a, an entire 24 hour period off. Mm -hmm. And the thing was, if you took that period off, the intent was that you were actually gonna try to sleep and you're actually gonna rest and use it properly. Um, they would throw, like sometimes we just would have a huge mission and we needed like some of our you know, higher risk type pilots or whatever. And we would switch them over to days and they would try to use Ambien. Ambien, yeah. Oh. And for me, that was horrible because I, here was a circadian rhythm and I'm really locked into that after years and years and years of doing it. And um, so I'd take that stuff, you know, and it knocked me out quick. Right. But I would wake up within like two, three hours and I would just be like not home anymore. I don't know. I had the biggest time using Ambien. So I... I yeah, the hardest time. I, it wasn't we good. Used it a little Weird bit too, dreams. People were walking you know, around, going overseas. You yeah. know, where it's like you know, twelve-hour time On difference the and, and all yeah. of that. But I think I mean, there was nothing. Knowledge that there was nothing better than <coughs> taking the right amount of time to move someone forward and move someone forward until they were at the right spot. 
um, you know, given you have that, sometimes you'd get this 96 hour sequence of planning and sometimes you right. would get a 48. Uh, yeah. So it's depending. Um, when, so, yeah, when, and, you know, I'll say exigent circumstances and the mission requires it. You know, we all hey, rise to the occasion, but right. And I'm not lambasting the army, but I, I think as a, you know, the army culture is it, that becomes almost like a steady state operation where you're sleep deprived. Yes. And where that's relevant to, you know, I'll say listeners and viewers is, yeah, you know, and I think the Army realized the hard way because you got a lot of mental health issues and emotional stuff and, and, and I'll say physical ailments, whatever it might be from this notion that all you need is four or five hours sleep a night. Absolutely not. You can't do that for months and years without not having maintain. a deleterious yeah. effect on people's well-being yeah, there's always going to be some psyche and all that stuff and i'll say you know translating that into life beyond the army you know for those that uh that you know feel well hey sleep's a crutch or i don't need it i can get by without it and then they're wondering well god why is it that i feel so horrible and even aside from just being sleepy, um, you know, just overall sense of well-being is impacted. You know, one of the things I wanted to say almost up front was if, if, you, if, the, if there was a pill that you could take that would increase your energy, your cognitive abilities, um, recovery, mood, well-being, all oh, of yeah. that. How much would you pay for that pill? And I'm, I know I'm, anybody would be like, I'm oh my God, up. I'd pay hundreds of dollars for that if it sure. would do all that. You know, if it made you look younger, you know, all these things. It's like, oh my God, what is this magic pill? Yeah. It's eight hours of sleep a night, man. Yeah. You know, and people are, ah, yeah, yeah. It, no, it's the truth. It is, you know, really work towards that. And I know army culture, at least in some in some instances, you know, was, ah, you don't need that. It's Sleep like, when you're yeah. dead. I know as a, as a more of a senior, um, we, we said we were doing our crew rest, but there was things that had to be done, you know? And so we would, I would go change clothes and say, well, now I'm not on duty. And it, we'd have to play it the silly way too. Yeah. Um, we had, if we had guys that would say, oh, I turned into a pumpkin. I can't do anything that we had, we had abilities. Commanders could extend right. time. Right. But you're supposed to look right in the face of the crew, the, all the crew, and say, right. hey, do you have it? You got what it takes to do this? And, and yes, you know. Yeah. But that, then the commander takes a risk, and then it goes to the next level commander right. for the next hour's time. And so we're not messing around. So each one of those steps up a level of risk, and it take, you know, takes that next higher command, you know. And, and if you're talking to the brigade commander, it better, you better have real good reasons. There better, it, there, yeah. it, absolutely. It better be absolutely mission essential. And, and therein lies the issue. I mean, hey, we're all adults. We've all been... You know, there are times, you know, hey, Ranger, right? You know, yeah. where you're going and going and... And that's part of the training just to kind of set your mind that, hey, your, your, your mind will quit before your body will yeah, right. more often than not. But, but the nuance is it's like, but you can't operate like that all the time. Well, and then we're doing steady state operations, you <laughs> right. know, and you're in a theater for a year tour, nine month tour. And this is a daily grind. It's not like you get to go home and have a weekend, you yeah. know, but we did. We had, we, after X amount of time of days of work, they made us take, I think we, we would change it. Um, and it was a big deal to change, but there was a point where there was a 48 hour reset and that would just dump all your numbers and start you from scratch. Cause we, we counted this 30 day and then it slid to the next days. And like, if you flew too much, you had to go to see a flight surgeon. 
And we never ran into this stuff until we were deployed, you know, and then we were yeah. running into it with a lot of people. Well, I'd imagine flying under NVGs and all that stuff. Well, and it was adds, mainly just adds, the, adds to the stress and the yeah, load, you know, and the legs got long just <clears> because <throat> of, you know, we were moving a lot of things around the battlefield is kind of logistically, well, everything wasn't a combat mission, um, but is in a combat zone. So there's always that thing, but a lot of us were reserved for the night ops because we, we were doing right. kinetic ops a lot. So yeah. anyway, um, sleep was a major thing and, and, and the command and the management, we worked really, really hard to maintain that and look people in the face and see if they could handle this. You know, here's another funny thing is at the end of your career, if you do a full one, next thing you know, they're really interested in your sleep apnea. And they'll give you 50%. Yeah. Because then you know, they realize that, hey, that really shortens your life. That's yeah, not, like, you know, you so like some, interrupted sleep. Yeah. There's something too that they, I came out with sleep apnea. I mean, I'm without my, without my machine, I'd ding near die every night. So there's, there's no missing out on that thing. Um, it's hard to go camping anymore <laughs> without a CPAP machine. But, yeah. uh, but the army knows and the military knows that, that sleep somehow interrupted sleep is you know bad for your health and they're they're recognizing it and actually paying us ahead saying hey sorry you know so the sleep is not messing around this is important stuff well and that brings us to our next our next thing in terms of you know with the apnea the issue is interrupted sleep you know you stop breathing Breathing. right so that's what wakes you up that's what interrupts sleep and then you've got all sorts of medical complications and issues associated with that and they, they take it very seriously but in, in terms of breathing, as we said, one of the things that's cross-cutting, you know, obviously, hey, exercise, it's important to breathe when you're exercising, yeah. meditation, sleep, all of that. But I mean, just some best practices there. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- whether it's breathing, meditation, and often for, for meditation, you're using breath as an anchor which I find to be pretty effective Big because time. not only are you now working the, the diaphragmatic, you know, breathing, but you're using that to kind of, you know, a- anchor your, your focus, which I think is, is very important. Um, really in essence, exercising focus and attention, right? So with breath, your autonomic nervous system, right? So you've got your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. So the sympathetic is responsible for fight or flight. Your parasympathetic is rest and digest. So where does breath come in to that equation? Well, your breath, your deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing is where you activate the parasympathetic. So if you're in fight or flight, those deep breaths activate the parasympathetic, which is responsible for calming you down. Hmm. So it is an active you know, function that you can you know, override to all right, hey, because quick, shallow breaths, you know, that your body responds to that and, is, and it, it, I'll say, interprets that as being under duress. Yeah. So you see that, <sighs> whereas right if you're like, no, I'm going to deliberately do deep breathing to relax myself. That's very important. I'm just from overall well-being, sleep, as we mentioned, and I've been reading some, you know, things on TV and literature and podcasts where they say that hostage tape, right? Putting tape over your mouth when you're sleeping so that you're not you know, doing what, what dudes with sleep apnea would do. But breathing through your nose when you're sleeping or, or mostly you know, throughout the day, that, that's the way human beings were really designed to breathe because mm-hmm. your nose is a filtration device. Yeah. 
and people, I mean, I hate to say are predominantly mouth breathers, some of them, and right. studies more and more have shown it's really more advantageous and healthier to breathe through your nose as well. So beyond the diaphragmatic breathing, which again, I mean, you want to see proper breathing, look at an infant or a child. You can see their, their little tummies Infinite, rise yeah. and fall. Then you get older, then they say, you know, you start breathing with your chest. It's just chest breathing. And then as you get older, older, an older person, they start doing that, that throat breathing, that, you know, so you can see that evolution. You're like, oof, that's insidious. I need to reverse that. One of the yeah. best ways is with that diaphragmatic it's, breathing. It's pretty interesting to learn that. Um, and of course, I learned that in yoga, Warrior's Descent, to learning that. And I do it all the time now. And it's just like, it looks so funny. And I look down and I like, see this big belly coming up. But I know it's like, <laughs> that, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's right. No, well, no social uh, judgments or no social comparisons, as that's, Carrie would that's say. That's right. Well, I mean, Carrie, uh, he talks about the box breathing as a technique, you know, so four, 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 and four. So yeah. you're breathing in for a count of four. You hold for a count of four, exhale for a count of four, and then hold for a count of four. And that's just a good exercise that, again, under stress and duress, you can yeah. use, all right, let me, let, me, let me do some box breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, again, belly breaths, things of that nature. So, I, hey, we, we blew through that very quickly, but we've yeah. only got an X amount of minutes. However, so... Sleep, absolutely essential. Breathing, you know, proper breathing, diaphragmatic breathing through the nose, very essential as well. And using that as an anchor for your meditation practice. And we can have another episode that really goes into detail and does a deep dive on, on the efficacy of, uh, of meditation as well. But uh, okay, some, some practices, I'll say two, two focal points in your tending of the body that, well, hey, as I said up front, don't seem like the rocket science, you know, no magic or mysticism there, but dial in your sleep, dial in your breathing, you know, when you're going for a walk or whatever it might be, be very attuned to that. And over time, incrementally, you're going to see, hey, I feel I, I'm more focused. I'm, it should come as no surprise. I'm more well-rested and things yeah. are so much better. But I think a lot of people believe, well, you either get good sleep or you don't. And what it is that we want to impart on people is, no, you can set those conditions by various practices, protocols, rituals, and even a, a good breathing practice. So those are the, yeah. those, those are the takeaways. And that's why they call it practice, right? Because it, t it takes time. To do something as silly as learning to breathe, breathe with your diaphragm and count. You know, it's like here you are. Here, when I'm counting, it's like I sometimes I think that's what's calming me down because all I can think about is getting the counting right, and and then obviously the breath is happening and it's talking to my parasympathetic, but my brain's concentrating on the damn numbers. Yep. You know, and now I can't concentrate on what's making me mad because you're focused on one thing and yeah. it keeps those intrusive thoughts. From, really from does. invading it and does actually, keep you know, you like that breath is and as so I said, helpful. We'll, we'll, we'll do a deep dive on, on meditation and how really that is an exercise yeah. for, for focus. In essence, your mind wanders during a meditation practice and the repetitions really, quite frankly, are just bringing your attention back, bringing your attention back. And breathing is a means of maintaining that focus and as a dual purpose also of, uh, relaxing you and, and and exercising that as well i like how you said that it was you know basically this is this 
unbelievable pill that you could sell and it really you just own it it's yours all i gotta do is breathe that's in an era of i'll say instant gratification and you know always looking for the easy the easy button hey you've got it you've got it at your disposal it's just as we said right from the get-go it only works if you do so you have to do the work you just have to choose to want this that's exactly it because you can all right that's pretty awesome i think that's it brother yeah man good job i um we like you said we blew through that's an interesting topic all right next time hey everybody like comment and share that's how we grow yep i hope this is of use again for those that are like all right hey i get it that's nothing new nothing novel there yeah. but the message we want you to take away is it only works if you do you've got to do the work you know the success path it's you could do a multitude of things do these things because <laughs> what makes us hua the basics what makes us hua that's right <laughs> gotta be hua all the time hi matt hastings here sending a thank you for watching this episode of the warriors ascent podcast you know we strive to build a community of warriors made up of our nation's veterans and first responders and to reach as many of those in need as possible we need your help please just smash that like button and comment or share our content Warriors Ascent is a Kansas City-based nonprofit that aids veterans and first responders with PTS. I went through this effective program and want those that are struggling to find what I found. Check us out on our website at warriorsascent.org.